back to the Lehigh Valley Chamber's Power of Partnerships podcast. For those of you who have not tuned in before, my name is Becca Luderschmidt, and I am the Director of Communications and Design here at the Chamber. I, along with Lauren Spence, our VP of Major Events, are your hosts, and we are here to keep you up to date on the latest events, announcements, and promotions happening throughout the Lehigh Valley. We have a very special episode today. Our president and CEO, Tony Ionelli, will be hosting a discussion alongside Mario Andretti, one of the most successful Americans in the history of race car driving. But first, as always, I wanted to let you know about one of our upcoming events. The Chamber's annual meeting experience and award show is coming up on Thursday, November 19th, and this year's show will be another super infotaining experience. We are so excited that this year, anyone and everyone can view the event for free. This experience will celebrate some amazing Lehigh Valley heroes, reflect on where we are as a region, spotlight impactful leaders, and as always, include some secret surprises, prizes, and giveaways. Although we will not be together in person this year, it's a great opportunity to pull your team together for a properly social distance watch party at your office or another location throughout the Lehigh Valley. Take this opportunity to connect with team members and even order lunch from a local caterer or a restaurant. We cannot wait for you to experience this special event with us, and we are so grateful to all of our sponsors and for the community support to make this event such an exciting success. If you're interested in learning more or registering for our annual meeting, be sure to check out the November issue of Connections or visit our website at lehighvalleychamber.org slash annual meeting 2020. To make sure you don't miss any other important announcements or upcoming events, follow us on social media and subscribe to this podcast. Now, it is my pleasure to pass the mic over to Tony to kick off our discussion with Mario Andretti. Tony? All right, hey, hello everyone and welcome again to this edition of Game Changers and First of all, before we get started, I do want to thank our friends at the Amazon Fulfillment Center. They've been so good to this chamber. They've been so good to the community during this COVID-19. So thank you so much, Amazon Game uh, Fulfillment Centers, for uh, joining us and sponsoring this edition. And I can't think of anybody I like having on more. Mario Andretti, I have to tell you, you're you're a phenomenal person. Uh, you have, you know, you're, you're, I was thinking last night, I was reading, reading once again through your bio, uh, the career you've had, that you're internationally known. And yet you're kind and to everybody. And I just want to tell you, you're, you're a good person. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're very kind. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Someone must have raised you right, I think, Mario. Of course. Exactly. I'm the greatest parents in the world. Did you? Huh? You know, it's funny. I'm, one of the things that we didn't touch on when I talked to you before, and that really struck me, and that is that uh, as a child, you, like many people in, in that era, had to pick up and move your entire family uh, and leave behind things that your your father, your mother, you all worked very hard for. Uh, do you, you want to talk a little bit about that, Mario? Well, actually, uh, we were, you know, uh, uh, we were affected directly by the war, you know, and uh, I was born when the war broke out in 1940. And um, uh, the zone that uh, where I was born in uh, the peninsula of Istria, the northeastern side of Italy. Um, uh, after the war, uh, the, you know, Italy lost the war, and that was the next to Yugoslavia. And uh, so uh, it was a choice for us to succumb to uh, hardline communism or, um, you know, my parents had to make a decision, you know, and uh, hardline communism, you don't own anything. You know, my dad uh, was... Uh, uh, the administrator of all the family holdings, uh, you know, and uh, he, he administrated over 2,000 acres of land, um, you know, with, uh, and, and so anyway, 
bottom line is uh, uh, the choice was to move out of uh, the area to maintain the Italian citizenship, and uh, we did. We were in a refugee camp in our own country for uh, seven and a half years in Lucca in Tuscany. And then we had an uncle on my mother's side uh, that lived, uh, he was here in actually Nazareth. He came to West Virginia, then he moved to Nazareth. He was working for, you know, one of the cement mills. And uh, and he suggested to my dad, uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you come to America? You know, this was 1952. Three years later, uh, you know, my dad applied for visas. Three years later, the visas came through. And uh, and so it was decision time. Dad says, well, we're going to America, maybe for five years and, and then go back. So and, and that's when we came over in 1955. And that took a lot of guts, I would assume, to make that move. How old were you then, Marion? I was 15 years old then. Okay. 15. Yeah, I was born 1940, so 55. And... Um, and I'm like 47 now, so. I mean, when I go to Italy, it's an amazing place. What was, yeah, you are 47, I know that. I thought I had you down to 48, but anyway, uh, uh, when I go to Italy, it's such a beautiful place. So during that time, uh, when you said you were in a refugee camp, I mean, uh, tough memories are actually, uh, it, it sounds like your dad kept the family together, worked hard, and, and, and you just said you had the best parents in the world. Maybe that's why you feel that way. Well, yeah, for sure, because my dad could always provide for us. And, um, you know, uh, as kids, uh, I have a twin brother, Aldo, and an older sister, Ana Maria. And uh, the kids, we never suffered. You know, he, uh, we were always well-dressed. We always uh, went to school and did all the things. My dad uh, made sure that uh, he provided for us uh, uh, properly. And, um, and so... And when we came over, obviously, uh, uh, for kids, it's easy to adapt, you know, and uh, you make friends, you go to school, and no matter where you are, uh, it's easy for the kids. Uh, the toughest part was from my parents, of course, you know, they were both in their 40s, and, um, and their new way of life, you know, was something really, really to, uh, to get used to, the, the language barrier and all that. So, but they overcame all of it, you know, and... Uh, America. America is great. You know, we're uh, the product of uh, the true American dream. You know, it, uh, everything that uh, I dreamed about as a, as a young lad, as a teenager when I was in Italy, but becoming a race driver uh, would, probably would have been impossible if, if we would have stayed there, you know, because of uh, situations after the war. It took a long time for, you know, those countries, uh, you know, to really regroup and get... Uh, you know, to the level that they needed to be. Um, and, um, and from our standpoint, uh, you know, all the opportunities that uh, uh, you could only hope for uh, came, uh, came true by coming to America. And, um, and again, I was able to pursue that, and Aldo did, and, um, and I couldn't have asked for anything more out of life, quite honestly. Yeah, the American dream. When when did you realize, Mario, that on the racing side that you were? I think I told you last time we spoke. I I remember you at the Allentown Fair uh, and people cheering. And it was early in your career. You know, had we had talked about how you were a lap behind everybody and and came back around. And uh, uh, when did you realize? You know, I'm I'm pretty good at this. Well, I mean, all along, uh, when Aldo and I started in uh, 1959, right here at the Nazareth track, I mean, Aldo and I, uh, lucky as could be, you know, we won our very first race. Now, that doesn't mean that we were 
you know, where we wanted to be at that point. But uh, it was a very auspicious beginning. And uh, and and again, uh, Aldo was not as lucky with his career. He had several injuries. In, and, uh, you know, 10 years later, he had to stop. But uh, my career started in 59 and never stopped. I mean, um, you know, my last race was in 2000 from 1959. And, uh, you know, and along the way, I only missed two races because of injury, uh, you know. So I'm looking at, at about 900 races in my life, you know. So, um, again, as far as knowing when you have arrived and so forth, I mean, you go step by step, you know, along the way. And uh, and then and as you feel you conquer, like you go in first grade, second grade, you know, if you pass, you're okay, you okay, belong there. That's really, uh, you're testing yourself uh, uh, along the way all, always because uh, wherever you are, whatever level you are, there's always, you know, somebody out there that excels that you have to, okay, you know what, for me to be able to uh, bring home uh, uh, results, I have to better the individual that's the best. And there's always a challenge. I mean, you never run out of challenges. and uh, But that's the beauty of it, too. It keeps you motivated, of course. But, um, you know, the fact that uh, if you can win in any division, you know, you feel, okay, you know, I've reached this level. I think I'm ready to go on. And then when you reach the top, mm-hmm. then the trick is to try to be able to uh, to still perform and at that level against the very best that uh, the, the sport can provide. But um, these are all the things that uh, that's what you look forward to. That's what you work for. And uh, that's where the, reward, the rewards come, you know, if, uh, if you're able to... Uh, to achieve, you know, the, some of the goals. And, um, and I've been very fortunate in my career that uh, always set high goals, ambitious goals for myself. In fact, uh, I assure you that many times I wouldn't dare express it loudly, you know, but uh, yeah. in my own mind, I was always a dreamer and always went for the, you know, for the very top and, um, and you know, and somehow, we're able to kind of get there, you know, uh, and along the way. So that's why I say this all the time. That's why I feel that um, I've been so blessed. Yeah, you really have. I think uh, the other thing is, I think a lot of people think of you as, you know, for me, uh, Indy 500, in, Indy cars, but you've got an amazing career, you know, from NASCAR to uh, uh, to all kinds, you know, open wheel. Uh, what what did you prefer? Were you, I mean, were you most comfortable in the Indy type car? Well, you know, my uh, my specialty was open wheels, single seaters, uh, like Indy cars or Formula One. Uh, but um, you know, in our sport, there are different levels of disciplines, and um, and I enjoy sports prototypes and long distance races. Well, you know, there's a beautiful sports cars. Uh, and um, and I had a you know some uh, some good luck in the stock cars and NASCAR and uh, stock cars in USAC. So uh, again, I kind of I uh, was pretty curious. I wanted to sort of uh, try to experience uh, all of it, you know, at the top level. And um, and I think uh, again, that's where that's where I derived probably that you know most of my satisfaction out of being able to to do that, and yeah. not just to race, but to win at those levels. We accepted at NASCAR when you moved over. I just wonder, you know, if they felt like, you know, you belong here, you're allowed to be here, kind of thing. Well, there's always that 
type of thing, you know, that uh, you feel, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not in my regular sandbox, you know, playing, I'm playing in somebody else's game. But, uh, you know, you earn the respect, you know, and uh, and I think uh, I feel very much at home wherever I go. You know, today I have friends in NASCAR, close friends. I have friends in Formula One and go sports prototype, wherever I go on a dirt track. So it's a big family. And, um, and again, it's all about going out there and doing your job, respect your, um, your competitors, obviously. And, um, and, and that's it, you know, but uh, if somehow you, uh, you come away uh, where it's not your specialty and you're able to win, uh, it may not be received very well at the moment, but uh, later on, they, they can't, you know, there's got to be some respect there. And then that's reciprocated as well, you know, so that's how it works. You know, when I think of how things change, when I think, again, of being in the fairgrounds, I remember being in the infield, seeing, seeing your car. And when I even think of that track, the safety relative to then compared to today, I mean, the cars were, were a lot less safe, obviously. And I think, as I recall, the only thing that, the fairgrounds, I'm talking the Allentown fairgrounds, I'm sorry, the Allentown fairgrounds, the only thing they had was a cement wall with a little bit of a fencing above it, you know, but, but that was about, that was the whole, the whole thing relative to safety. Well, the sport has evolved, as you can imagine. I mean, it's, um, I think the safety even still today is still a work in progress. You know, you're always learning. And, um, and quite honestly, uh, I think it had to be us drivers uh, to be able to organize in a way that uh, we will start to demand certain safety aspects, features not only on the track, but also on the cars, because uh, not on the tracks, but on the cars, almost every safety feature is a performance penalty. So it has to be regulated into the rules, put into the rules. So everybody has to have it. And so everybody benefits, but then there's no penalty. And, uh, and so, uh, and it took a while, you know, to really get to the level that, uh, that we're enjoying today. I mean, uh, uh, I'll give you just a, a quick, uh, in the 60s, this decade of the 60s, uh, the chance of survival for a driver at the level that I was driving was probably 40% at best. And, um, and then it got maybe a little better, but but as far as, uh, you know, really, really uh, having a chance to, uh, to retire on your own terms, it was pretty slim. You know, every time when I, when I see Floyd, when A.J. Floyd and I meet, uh-huh. when we look at each other and say, I can't believe we're still standing here. You know what I mean? Because we lost, you know, the, the majority of our friends, you know, during the, those decades. But uh, today, uh, I'm knocking on wood, I always do, but uh, today... The chance of uh, any of our professional drivers to retire on their own term is like 99.8%. You know, so we've come a long way. And um, and again, I think even you got to think about the fact that uh, the sport has become more and more commercial as time, as years went by. And, and you got into the decades of the 80s, especially uh, where uh, the sponsorships and so on and so forth, you know, just uh, became, uh, got to the level that uh, was very meaningful. And, uh, and, and I always say this, uh, that uh, uh, as it became more commercial, you have uh, companies spending millions of dollars to be part of the team and fund, fund the team. They don't want to go to funerals. You know what I mean? They don't want negatives. 
you know, there's no bigger negative than fatality. So uh, the safety aspect uh, played big into that area too. And, um, and so, again, uh, the sport had to evolve properly, which it did. And uh, today it's enjoying uh, the safer, safest times ever. You can see, I mean, even in NASCAR, some of the incredible accidents that you see the cars on fire and everything. The guy walks out and cheers, you know, waves to the crowd. So, <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody can enjoy, you know, seeing anybody get hurt, obviously. So you've been in races during the race where people have died and you've, you've lost people. You've been in I lost uh, my closest friends, my teammates, you know, in the race. Uh, I mean, the race when uh, when I won the world championship in Italy, the Italian Grand Prix, you know, at, um, at the start of the race, my teammate was killed. And, uh, you know, I had my best friend, you know, uh, Riverside killed just before I went out to qualify. I you know, I can go on and on and on. I mean, it's uh, it's terrible, but uh, that was what we had to deal with in those years. And uh, and again, uh, the sport uh, we we knew the sport could be very cruel, as rewarding as it could be, but also could be very cruel. And something had to be done about it, and uh, and it did. You know, but it took a long time. It took decades to you know to 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 get to the level that we're enjoying today. Mario, you know, you're, you're so uh, grounded, but it had to be hard at times when you were, you know, you were driving all over the uh, world and France and, you know, in some amazing places. Uh, were you ever surprised that people that wanted to, to meet you or, you know, because I get the sense that you were never filled with yourself. I mean, it's hard when you're a young person not to, but were you ever surprised that uh, any famous person that was, that was dying wanted to meet you or you got to meet? Well, uh, you know, as you travel, as you're exposed, obviously, uh, there are opportunities of people, yes, that you want to meet. You know, you want to meet the Pope. You want to meet some kings. You know, you want to meet some celebrities and, and all of that. And many times you get those opportunities. And um, and and then it's, uh, uh, you know, it's just something that's very uh, uh I mean, it's very nice when people come to you when they want to meet you as well, you know. But, uh, uh, you know, I've uh, I've raced in six continents, you know. And uh, and again, I, I had the, the pleasure to be able to, to experience all the different cultures and uh, and um, all the beautiful things uh, about life. And um, and and again, uh, these are the things that, uh, that the sport gave to me, you know, and uh, and it's extremely precious. But you always came home to Nazareth. That's the part that I think is is absolutely amazing. You obviously had you could have lived anywhere in the world. Yeah, it's quite honestly, uh, I'm quite happy, and I've uh, and I'm living here by choice. You know, I uh, there were times when, many times when I had some pressure, you know, to live uh, somewhere else closer to my. Most of the teams that I drove for were on the west coast or whatever. But uh, and even when I raced for uh, for Lotus in England, they said, "Well, you should be living in Europe." Well, you know what? I was traveling back and forth to Europe, uh, you know, in a Concorde. I could get there in three hours, uh, that sort of thing. So I, I knew what to do with, with uh, my life as far as the, the travel aspect. Uh, I've, um, you know, I've had airplanes. I mean, my first airplane I had in 1968. So, you know, I uh, armed myself with uh, something that uh, allowed me to do all the things I wanted to do and still have a life, bring the family along and all of that. 
you know, I could be racing in California and I'd be sleeping in my bed, you know, at night, you know, at home. So, you know, all those things uh, uh, allow me again, you know, to do all the move around as much as I did. Um, it was all part of a tool that I needed. Uh, and uh, I think it helped me keep the family together, keep us together as much as possible. You know, all those things. That, uh, so it's just a matter of, uh, you know, just looking at the big picture and um, and making the best of it, you know, as far as uh, because it's uh, the sport, they, they, like any professional sport, is so incredibly demanding. And uh, there are important things outside of your sport, which are family also. And then, so, like I said, I always arm myself uh, with the best situation possible. And, uh, and again, my, uh, I could travel anywhere. Sometimes I go back and forth to Europe twice in one week. Mario, just uh, for people that would be curious, because we get all the people, who, who are some famous types that you really enjoy, that you got friendly with, that you really uh, the great people? Well, there are many. I mean, it's, what can I say? Uh, I mean, uh, one of the, uh, you know, Spanish Grand Prix and King Juan Carlos, you know, presented me the trophy. And then I spent, we spent time at uh, at his vacation villa, you know, with the family, uh, things like that. I mean, it's uh, your Monaco and, um, you know, your uh, the Prince René and, and that's where I got to meet Grace Kelly, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we talked about it because, hey, uh, you know, uh, Princess Grace, I said, I'm, I'm your neighbor I'm, because she was originally from Philadelphia, yeah. you know, things like that. And um, I had Lady Gaga driving, you know, in the two-seater uh, behind me at the, uh, when I started, it was in front, I started at the 100th anniversary of the uh, of the Indianapolis 500, you know, a couple of years ago and things like that. I mean, it's, uh, um, yeah, there, there are many people that uh, obviously are very, very interesting that um, you have the opportunity to meet for sure. I, I could name quite a few. Isn't it, isn't it interesting to find out when you meet them? There? I may even met Larry Holmes. <laughs> Good guy. Big guy. Uh, I want to ask you one last question, and and that was, was it exciting this year for you at Indy, considering, you know, another Andretti uh, involved in that, that that incredible race? Well, yeah, I was excited to see Marco, you know, just be on pole for that race. Uh, and uh, it was interesting is that, um, you know, I drive the two-seater. I don't know if you see the photo yeah. right behind me here. Um, and uh, I start the race. I'm the first one to go flat out until I reach the back end and they give the green. But guess who was with me as a passenger this year was Michael. Uh -huh. So there were Michael, Marco and myself. We were the three of us on the front row there. And it was, a, it was a, just such precious moments from a family standpoint and with a lot of pride uh, on top of it. But uh, those are unforgettable moments that... Uh, that really, uh, uh, you know, that, that obviously makes it all worthwhile. All right, before I lose you, I'm going to bring Lauren in. She's got a question for you, and, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go. But go ahead, Lauren. It's all yours. I hope you're enjoying this. I am. Thank you so much, Tony. And thank you, Mario, for chatting with us. It is so nice to learn from you. And you had a career that you said started in 59. It spanned decades. Throughout that time, did you have a role model, and why did you admire them? Well, the role models are the ones that uh, individuals that uh, uh, you want to emulate, 
someday. I started out with uh, when I was a young teenager in Italy, um, and uh, there was a world champion at the time, Alberto Ascari, for Ferrari. And uh, and as a young lad, I'm looking at him, oh my goodness, uh, that's who I would like to be like, Alberto Ascari. And then uh, when you move on and uh, you arrive uh, uh, yourself at, at the level of the sport that I wanted to be, you reach a top level. There's some there, okay, so I'll give you an example. Uh, when I arrived to the top of IndyCar, it was AJ Foyt. And I figured, man, uh, that's the man that I have to beat. And uh, so obviously, um, you know, the, they give you uh, all the incentives, you know, to, to be able to go after. And because of individuals like that, you are better. You work toward obviously improving your, uh, uh, in, you know, your abilities and and and, uh, and so on and so forth. So um, again, along the way, I had several. There's always somebody that um, that I felt uh, it was uh, you know the the champion at the time. Somebody that that was so called the yardstick, and uh, and and those, those were my uh, my idols. And then you became friends with them, which is amazing. And it's yes, that's the that's the beautiful part about it. Laura, we're almost out of time. You got one more question. I do have one more question. So sure. every time you talk about Nazareth, I, I hear the pride in your voice. What is your favorite part about your hometown and living in the valley? Well, it's just a beautiful place to be. I mean, it's got um, everything that I need uh, from my standpoint. I got great neighbors, uh, uh, wonderful people that I know. When we were, uh, when I had kids, I had wonderful schools. And, um, and we're still a beautiful, clean air. And then we can only about an hour away from, uh, you know, an hour and a half from New York, Philadelphia, you know, wherever you want to be. And close proximity to airports, you know, if you want to, uh, should we travel to Europe and all of that? So, you know, a, a lot of things actually work for me. We have a place up in the Poconos. Uh, um, again, um, I don't want to be anywhere else, and I never will go anywhere else. Mario was a fast driver. Did you ever get pulled over for speeding? <laughs> when you said you drive to New York, it made me think, I wonder if you ever if you ever did. And people are like, hey, this is Mario and Treddy. No, I don't get pulled over for speeding. <laughs> he drives the speed limit, Tony. <laughs> Mario, always, I, I, I always drive two miles an hour under the speed limit. There you go. There you go. Mario, I just want to say, I was thinking, I was thinking as we were talking that I have to take it. We got some commotion here. We can edit that out, Tony. Don't worry. <laughs> Mario, I, I guess what I wanted to say is this, and that is that my, in my house, my dad, we had, uh, there were three people that were, you know, were godlike. And it was uh, Joe DiMaggio, Mario Huntretti, and Nino Benvenuti, who was a boxer from, from Italy. Yeah, I knew Nino. He was from my part of the world uh, when <laughs> I was born. Yeah. Nino was from Trieste. the middleweight champion. I remember yeah. watching that. So it was an incredible time. But um, I guess on behalf of everyone, you're, you've done so much uh, for, for not only the Lehigh Valley, brought attention to us, but for so many people. You're, you're a great guy. Uh, and you've been blessed. But, uh, but sometimes I think people are blessed because they appreciate the blessings they have. Well, Lehigh Valley has been a beautiful home for me. And uh, so Lehigh Valley has done a lot for me. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. All right. Hey, thank you everyone for being with us for this again, this, this version of uh, Game Changers. I do want to thank again our friends from Amazon Fulfillment Center. Mario Andretti, thank you so much. Uh, Lauren, thank you. Lauren, I'll let you wrap us up. Go ahead. 
Thanks, Tony. And thank you, Mario, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Your racing career really put the Valley on the map and you've made a lasting impact on Arlene High Valley and changed the game for our community. So we thank you.